morning, everybody. How we doing? Y'all all look good this morning. I smelled most of you. You all smell good this morning, too. <laughs> it's a hard thing to get up and speak in front of people sometimes. You never know what it's like until you get up to speak in front of people sometimes. And I know I'm, I'm totally guilty of saying some crazy things sometimes. And so uh, we're, we're developing a host team. And so Jeremy's the second guy up. And thank you, Jeremy. You did a great job. Cole, Cole did a great job last week. Come on. You might just see Cole during 21-day devotionals. He might. He might. I don't know. Just a little hint. Well, hey, uh, welcome back to uh, the second, I think this is the second Sunday of the new year, isn't it? Yeah, so second Sunday out of 52 Sundays, it's 52, right? 52 Sundays, 50 more Sundays to go. The challenge is 52 Sundays this year that you attend church. 52 Sundays this year attend church. That's the challenge. You got two down, 50 more to go. You get 50 more. I mean, it's not like you got 50 more to go. You get to be here 50 more times on Sunday. If you join us for 21 days of prayer and fasting, you get to be here on Tuesdays and Thursdays for the next three weeks. Right? I'm excited. I don't know about you. I mean, I do my hair for this. I, 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 I dress up. I mean, you know. Well, hey, welcome back to our series. It's time. <clears throat> this morning, I want to give you a message. And the title of my message is, It's Time for a Checkup. Uh, this is part two of a four-part series, and <clears throat> this whole series has been designed around the thought of getting us into motion, getting us going in the right direction, getting up and getting moving. Maybe it's a time for a fresh start. Maybe it's time to change some things drastically in your life. How many of you like to go to the doctor's office? Just, just like raise your hands. Like, I'm not raising my hands. Like, yeah, I, I feel you. Sorry, Jess, but we just, we just don't like to go. <laughs> I, don't like, I don't like especially to go to the dentist. Um, I just don't like people in my mouth, right? And, and so, so I, I, I've had a period of time, one time, where I went 15 years without going to the dentist. <clears throat> now I brush my teeth every day. And I'm always picking stuff out of my teeth. Now, this is gross, I know. But I spent 15 years without, without bracing or gracing the door of a dentist office. So finally my wife's like, you need to go to the dentist. So I go to the dentist to get a clean up, clean my teeth up. I thought they were clean. So I walk into the dentist's office. I'm laid back on the table. I'm nervous. I can go to the doctor. I can go to a surgeon. I can go to anybody else. You put me in the dentist's office and I start trembling. And I'm on this table and he opens my mouth and he goes, man, your teeth look good. I was like, he said, how long have you how long has it been since you've been to the dentist? I said, 15 years. He said, 15 years? Yes, sir. I said, wow, man, your teeth are incredible. So, man, he starts cleaning my teeth, and he's just, he's just admiring my teeth. And I don't have, like, perfect teeth by any means. And so at the end of it all, he goes, well, man, listen, man, your teeth are in great shape. We cleaned you up real nice. Everything looks good. I'm going to schedule you for six months. I said, no, you're not. I'm good for another 15 years. <laughs> he was like, no. And I told my wife then, she was like, yeah, that was dumb. You just got lucky over, over 15 years and nothing went wrong with your teeth. But how many of you wait till the last minute to go get a checkup or you wait till something's wrong to go? Come on, we're guilty, right? Like, 
okay, my knee's been hurting me, and now I can't walk anymore. I guess I'll go see the doctor. And, the, and so you get to the doctor, he's like, I sure wish you'd have come a little bit sooner, right, Jess? I mean, a little bit sooner. Like, when you first started seeing this, just come. I mean, let me fix it while it's easy to fix. Well, today we're going to come in for a checkup, a spiritual checkup. So I want you to step into the office. It's time for a checkup. And I want to start with this question, how are you doing? How are you doing today? So you got a note in your hand. On a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being perfect, listen to me clearly, 10 being perfect, 1 being almost dead, uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, tell me, don't tell me, but write down where you think you are, and let me, let me describe it, don't write down anything yet, mentally, physically, emotionally, relationally, and spiritually. Combine all your scores together and rate your health right now. Real quick, on your paper, just, just put it down. Be honest with yourself. Listen, if you're knocking it out the park, man, give yourself a seven. Some of you are like, I was at a nine, Pastor. You see, left unchecked, our lives will drift towards disorder and chaos. Unfortunately, if we sit on the sofa, we don't get skinny. We don't develop muscles. We don't come out of the, the winter funk ripped and, and shredded, right? I mean, we usually come out of winter fluffy and plumpy. But left unchecked, our lives will just naturally start to go towards decline. There's a word for that. The word is entropy. Entropy is a gradual decline into disorder. So if you don't take care of your body, it doesn't get better, it gets worse. If you don't take care of your garden, it doesn't get better, it gets worse. Here you go. If, it, if you don't take care of your marriage, come on, you know this one to be true. You don't take mama on a date every now and then, it's not getting any better. Right? Okay. Ladies. I mean, dear goodness. I put the ball on the tee, and you didn't even swing. Let me try it one more time. If you don't take your bride out on a hot date every now and then, it's not going to get any better. I'm going to start trying to help the brothers out. (laughs) Y'all got that one, didn't you? (laughs) So normally we wait until it gets too bad, and then we go. We go in for a checkup, we go see the doctor, we go see the dentist, we go see the counselor, we go see the mechanic, we go to the gym, right? I just started a diet two days before Thanksgiving. Yeah, I know, it was dumb, but I made it through. You want to know what I did the two weeks before the diet? I was a drunken sailor, let me tell you something. (laughs) That's what my natural tendency was was to just eat everything I could you know there was the same problem with the New Testament church the New Testament church when you read the Bible after the book of Acts kind of ends the New Testament church continues and we're actually part of that New Testament church now today but that New Testament church started to go towards decline the entropy started to set in they'd seen the miracles they had performed the miracles they had seen God do incredible things they seen the church grow incredibly and miraculously they seen the numbers grow they seen just all kinds of crazy things happen but but all of a sudden entropy starts to slip in and the New Testament church itself found itself lacking in something. I want to show it to you in Revelation chapter 2. 
Starting in verse 2, listen to what it says. Now, this is Jesus speaking to John, and this is John's words back to the churches. And this is what he says. I know all that you've done for me. You have worked hard and persevered. I know that you don't tolerate evil. You have tested those who claim to be apostles and proved they are not, for they were imposters. I also know how you have bravely endured trials and persecutions because of my name, yet you have not become discouraged. But I have this against you. You have abandoned the passionate love you had for me at the beginning. So listen to how Jesus is telling the church they're doing. Listen to how he's describing their spiritual health. He's like, you're killing it. You're knocking it out the park. You're paying attention to everything that's going on around you. There's no imposters coming in and taking over. Like, you're on top of your game. You're doing the right things. How many of you know you can be a Christian and do all the right things but not have any passion? I mean, we can go through the motions. Come on, somebody. We can go. We do that every Monday morning, right? You get up, you go to the coffee, you drink, and you try to get to work on time, right? It's, we can go through the motion, but there's no passion. Jesus was saying to him, I'm glad you're killing it everywhere. Can you just get your passion back? Can, can you just stir up the flames inside of you again? Can you come back to like it was in the beginning? He said, you started out strong, but you lost your passion somewhere along the way. How many of you would say that's true for you at times? I know it's true for me at times. I I have to gauge and and watch my passion because sometimes I'll lose it. Uh, Life's hard. I can can give you a bunch of excuses. Life's hard. It's difficult. We go through seasons. I don't always feel great. I don't always want to be with God. I don't always want to be spiritual. I don't always want to grow spiritually. And sometimes I lose my passion. But here's the good news is I can get it back. Come on, you can get it back. You can stir it up. My grandmother almost burnt the house down because she took some coals that she thought was out, out of the fireplace, threw them in the garbage can right next to the house, and there was one little ember in there that almost burnt the house down. If you got an ember left inside of you, you can fan your flames back into motion. Amen? Paul said it this way, never lack, never be lacking in zeal. Keep your spiritual fervor while serving the Lord. So let me give you some keys to spiritual health this morning. Number one, it's time to take control of my schedule. I know that, listen, before you start thinking this is a self-help thing, I, I want you, to, I want you to, to, to really look at this. S- some of you are dying spiritually because you're, you're lacking in the scheduling department. Some of you are dying spiritually because your schedule is all over the map. And you can't be in a consistent relationship with God because your life has no consistency. It's time to take control of my schedule. You might be doing too much, but you might just be doing too much of the wrong things. Amen? You can't, if you're burning the candle at both ends, you might not be as bright as you think you are. <laughs> Ecclesiastes 4.6 says this, Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. You ever feel like at the end of a work week or a day, you're going, I feel like I just chased the wind all day. If you're raising some kids under 10, I feel like I've been chasing the wind all day. 
right? How do you organize your time? How do you organize your commitments? How do you schedule those things? What's the priorities? You see, your schedule shouldn't be your priority. Your priorities should be scheduled. Amen? You should schedule your priorities. That's why I'm challenging you for 52 Sundays this year. Because I want you to put 52 Sundays on the calendar and show up for 52 Sundays and see what God does in your life. It's a priority. All I'm simply trying to do is raise your priority, raise the church attendance, raise the coming together in the presence of God with worship and encouragement. I'm trying to raise it up on your priority list. Amen? Jeremiah said it this way. I I just love this verse. It says, this is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. God is telling us, don't just go whichever way it feels good. Don't go by your feelings. Be led by my spirit, not your feelings. Your feelings are going to get you in trouble. I feel like Bluebell. Bluebell fills my waistline up. It's bad feelings all around. Right? We should be led by the Spirit, not by our feelings. He says to stand at the crossroads and ask for the ancient path. Ask where the good way is. You know what that takes? That takes you submitting your whole life to God and saying to him, God, I don't want to run my life. I want you to run my life. I don't want to be in charge here because I mess things up. And if for some reason you think you're better at running your life than God is, then you've got, a, you've got a, a bad lesson coming. We should always go to God before we go digital, before we go scriptural, and before we talk to other people. We should talk to God first. God, what do you think about this? God, what is the right direction to take? Don't make it complicated. Don't make your prayers so complicated, God has to use discernment to understand them. (laughs) Come on, somebody, just tell him how it is. Lord, I don't understand this verse. Lord, I need, I don't know which direction to go. Can you tell me which way to go? I mean, look at it this way, as if God was standing on the street curve and you were lost, pull up and say, hey, how do I get to Popeye's? And he'll say, go down that road, it's on the left. Bring me back a sandwich. I want you to join us for 21 days of prayer and fasting, and it starts tomorrow. I want you to join us. Listen to me clearly. I want you to join us because all of us need to take the first 21 days of the year and push, them, push the world out and make God the priority. It's called giving him the first fruits of your life. Tell what, I mean, what can happen in 21 days if you shut the TV off? <gasps> you might get some joy in your life when you quit watching the news and worrying about what they're saying about Trump and who's going to do this and who's going to... Listen, I know people, their lives are getting wrecked by Fox News. Come on, you Republicans. By Fox News. They're all stressed. I'm like, you're not even Trump. Trump's sleeping good and you're not even sleeping good. What happens if we just begin to push the world back and we focus clearly on God? 
for 21 days. What happens if we do it collectively as a church family? We show up on Tuesday nights and Thursday nights and we worship God and we pray over this city. You think this city might could use a little bit of prayer? You think the crime rate might ought to go down a little bit? You think the poverty rate needs to go away? Come on, you think the kids that aren't being parented right need to need a change in their life? We need to be praying. Amen? So during the 21 days of prayer and fasting, there's going to be three-minute devos on, um, with our pastors and our dream team leaders. We're going to post them on Facebook and even on the website. Uh, we're, going to, we're going to read through the book of John together for 21 days. There's 21 chapters in John. We'll do that each day. Join us Tuesdays and Thursday nights at 6.30 for nights of prayer. Can I ask you to put that on your calendar? Can I, can I ask you to schedule it? So number one, it's time to take control of your schedule. Number two, it's time to regulate, say regulate, what I allow to enter my mind and my body. Your eyes, your ears, and your mouth. <laughs> Let me say this one more time. Your, look at me. Your eyes, your ears, and for a lot of you, your mouth <laughs> needs a gate. <laughs> and it needs a lock on that gate. <laughs> and it needs some strong hinges. And you you need gates on all three of them because whatever you let in will eventually come out. Because just because it gets in and it doesn't immediately come out doesn't mean it didn't cause damage inside. So yeah, you can watch an R-rated movie and say, oh, it's not bad. But you listen to them curse words long enough, you listen to that, you watch all that bloodshed long enough, it's going to start to mess up the inside. Might not be today, might not be 10 days from now, but it's going to mess up the inside. you got to be careful what you're letting in. Every one of us needs to regulate what comes in. I hate this little rule in my house. I hate it with a passion. In fact, I can't wait for the kids to move out so maybe we can change this rule. We don't watch R-rated movies. You know how many good R-rated movies I've had to miss? <laughs> Military movies? We got to be careful what we let into the gates. Be careful what you listen to, what you watch, what you click on, how much food... Be careful with your alcohol consumption. Mm-hmm. Whole lot of giggling in this church. There are areas that we overindulge in, and we can all use a good detox. Amen? Psalms 141.4 says this, Don't let me drift toward evil or take part in acts of wickedness. Don't let me drift, God. We ought to be praying that way. Lord, don't let me drift off to something else. Don't let me drift off to a place that's not honoring you. Don't let me drift off into things that don't bring you glory, things that I might have to start hiding. Mm. <laughs> you see, if you got to hide it, it's wrong. Unless it's a present for me and you won't surprise me. We can drift. Prayer is connecting us to God, but fasting is disconnecting us from the world. It's, it's one thing to fast and disconnect from the world. It's another thing to pray and reconnect with God. Some of you are one reconnection away from God from your life changing forever. Amen? 
So let's talk about the different types of fast. Here they go. The first type of fast is a complete fast. You need to get your doctor's approval for this one. It's water and juice only. <clears throat> and you need to make sure God's called you to do it. I tried that one time, almost fell off of a ladder. I was so dehydrated. Don't fall off the ladder. Selective fast. You choose certain foods not to eat. Sugar, sweets, dairy, grains, bread. Partial fast. You eat whatever you want, but choose not to eat a meal of the day. And, and, and so you got to remember you're a spirit living in a body and you have a soul. So for over the next 21 days, we're trying to feed our spirit and starve the body and the soul. Because whatever you starve dies and whatever you feed thrives. And then there's a soul fast. This is where you get off of social media, TV, news, music, movies. You know, the more things you turn off, the quieter it gets. I find myself getting older and not wanting to even listen to the radio in my truck anymore. I just want some peace and quiet. <laughs> Number three, it's time to organize my finances around these three things. Give, save, and live. Organize my finances around three things. Give, save, and live. Your finances are out of order. You need to organize it around God's principles. God says to give, he says to save, and he says to live in that order. <clears throat> you know, half of the prayer cards we get every 21 days of prayer and fasting are financial. You know, I don't think any of us are greedy, but I think a bunch of us are strapped. And we're strapped simply because we haven't chosen. We haven't chosen to do things God's way financially. We haven't decided to do things God's way. We've decided to keep doing things our way and we're strapped. And God doesn't want you to be strapped. I don't want you to be strapped. You need to get God involved in your finances. Same principle. If you're not good with finances, Dave Ramsey is. You might not like him. I seen an article one time, guy put his truck up for sale. Big old Dodge Dooley put it up for sale in the, in the quick quarter. And at the bottom of it, he says, truck for sale, great shape, nothing wrong with it. Don't know why I'm selling. Dave Ramsey told me to sell it. That's what he put in the ad. <laughs> and he had his truck up for sale. But he was trying to pay off debt and get a little freedom in his life, right? <clears throat> Listen to what Proverbs says in three. It says, honor God with everything you own. Give him the first and the best. First of the year, 21 days of prayer and fasting. First of the month. How about if you look at your calendar and, and check on your checkbook? First of the week, make church a priority. The first of your day, what if you started spending time with God? And then number four, it's time to live my life intentionally. There's a whole different life out there when you live it with purpose, with you, when you live it with intention. Do you even think now about what tomorrow's going to be like? I'm not talking about worrying about tomorrow. I'm talking about do you plan for tomorrow? Do you have a plan for the week? Do you have a plan for the month? Do you have a plan for the year? Do you have a five-year plan, a 10-year plan, a 20-year plan? Are you planning or are you just do living life this way? 
Whichever way the world pushes me, I'm going to go. Oh, it must be meant for me to go this way. No, you were meant to put some resistance on that and push back against it and not go with the sway of the world anymore. Why is all these women elbowing their husbands? <laughs> it's time to live life intentionally. Listen to what the proverb says, 20. It says, sluggards do not plow in season, so at harvest time they look but find nothing. Some of us are getting after it. We're going 90 to nothing. We're working hard. And everybody's like, man, that dude works hard. And he's after it. Or that woman, she works hard. And she gets after it. Great. But are you doing what God wants you to do? Are you doing things that are going to make a difference in eternity? Or are you just doing whatever's right in front of you? Because you see, if you don't have a plan, listen to me. The world has a plan for you. It's got a plan for you tomorrow morning. Stephen Covey said this, if we keep doing what we're doing, we're going to keep getting what we're getting. <laughs> if you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to keep getting what you're getting. What if 2020 is a year to try something different? What if you put church on the schedule? What if you put date night on the schedule? Yeah, but pastor, if I put on the schedule, she's going to hold me to it. Yeah. <laughs> might be a good thing. She might hold you too. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about. So here's, here's some keys to all of this. Number one, I must have a plan. I must have a plan. You got to make a schedule. Join a reading plan. Get on the budget. Get some goals. Make some plans. On the first day of the year, I started off another one-year Bible plan. I didn't do one last year. I did one the previous year. The previous year, I had so much fun doing a one-year Bible plan. The next year, I don't know why I didn't do it, but I just didn't do it. I wasn't intentional. But this year, I'm back on course. So every morning, I'm downloading like three or four chapters of the Bible into my spirit. Now, whether I get my quiet time officially or not, I've already got the word of God inside of me. I can already feel it changing my life. It's changing my outlook on things. You got to have a plan. But some of you hate to make plans because you feel like plans confine you. I feel you. <laughs> my wife and I make plans. And I bump into them plans all the time. I want to go this way. Boom! She's like, nope, that wasn't part of the plan. I don't like this plan. Well, you made the plan. And I go this way. Boom! I run into the plan. I don't like this plan. Well, you made the plan, and we made the plan together. We prayed. Remember, we prayed over the plan. See, my wife's really got a lot of work to do. What if you started looking at plans differently? What if you started thinking that a plan doesn't confine me? What if a plan aligns you? What if you started looking at a, at a plan like shooting at a target? Come on, I'm, I'm trying to speak to you guys. I'm trying, shooting at a target, big rifle. Target far away. Bullseye, can't even hardly see it. Super scope. You're dialing in with your plan. It's not confining me, it's aligning me. And pow, five years from now, 
you were just this far off. How great would that be? You know what I've noticed? is when my wife and I sit down and we take our plans and we put them before God and we say, Lord, would you help us with these plans? We submit these plans to you and we pray scripture over those plans. When we do that, you know what happens? The breath of God comes. The grace of God comes. And he helps us to start working out those plans. Now listen to me. We get off track. I mean, we derail all the time. Like derail, get back on the plan. We write the plan down so we can remember how to get back on the plan. (laughs) Right? Proverbs 17 says, an intelligent person aims at wise action, but a fool starts off in many directions. Failing to plan is planning to fail. Proverbs 16, 9 says this. We make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. This is one of my life verses. You know what this verse tells me? That God trusts me to make plans. In other words, he he trusts the fact that he's given me wisdom, and he's given me understanding, and he says, Jamie, make your plans. Make your plans, bro. But just know this. I'm going to determine them. So sometimes we make plans by faith and we look at them and we go, oh, I don't know how that's going to happen. We've got a plan to pay our house off one day. It's like, that's a mountain. I don't know how we're going to get there, but we got a plan, right? But here's the thing that God does with us is he determines our steps on the plan. So watch this. If you don't have a plan, he doesn't have anything to determine. I'm going to say that one more time. If you don't have a plan, then God has nothing to determine. The Bible doesn't say he ordains the steps of a drunk man. Amen. He determines the plans of those who, the, the steps of those who make a plan. Are you seeing this this morning? Give him something to determine. Give him something to work with. So number one, I must have a plan. Number two, I must have people. If you're trying to do this alone, you're going to fail. You only quit when you're alone. Life groups. Life groups are designed to connect you to other people that are like-minded and have the same vision and purpose. Amen? We put a lot of effort and work into life groups. People clean their houses for you to come over to their life group. It's not just something we do to be cool. We do it so that the church can connect and sharpen each other. It's kind of hard to sharpen two things if they're this far apart. And God doesn't want you to be alone. God wants you in family. We got a men's life group that runs just about all year long. An incredible life group. We got life groups that are going to be launching on February 9th. You don't want to miss that. If you're interested in leading a life group, we have a leadership rally day coming up on the 25th that you can sign up for. Listen to what Ecclesiastes 4 says. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble, right? Not just trouble, but some real trouble. Number three, I must have power. 
And I'm not talking about willpower. You can take willpower and put that in your pocket. I'm talking about God's power. I'm talking about doing what God's called you to do and what he's going to equip you and empower you to do. Do you know that? That whatever, it doesn't matter, whatever God tells you to do, he is responsible to equip you and empower you to do it. Here's the secret. Sometimes he says, go do this. And we sit back and go, all right, I'm waiting for the equipment and the power. And he's going, you're going to get it when you get there. Come on, you ever show up to a situation and not know what to say, not know what to do, not know how to act, but as soon as you step into the situation, boom, you, something downloads from heaven, and you go, whoa, hang on a second, I got something to say in this situation. All of a sudden, I got this super dose of empathy that I've never had before. <laughs> yes, inside joke. Uh, but, but you get what God wants you to have sometimes when you get there. But if you never get there, you never get to experience God's power working in your life. Is this making sense? Some of you are looking at me cross-eyed. God tells you to go serve this, this area in this community. And you're sitting here going, okay, equipment and power. I'm waiting on you, Lord. Bring me some equipment. Some power. You know where the equipping and the power is? It's over there. It's where the job is. It's not at the office. It's where the job is. You get it when you get over there and you start taking steps to do what God's called you to do. When you get in it, you get anointed in it, and then God uses you like you never could have expected before. And all of a sudden, you got this new addiction in your life. It's called the addiction of being used by God. And it's a high you can't ever get over. Amen? Revelations 2 says it this way. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. What would your life be like now that you've been serving Jesus for X amount of time? What would your life look like if you could take the passion of when you first got saved and apply it to the understanding that you now have since you've been saved, what could happen? What could happen if you took the passion of when you first got saved and connected it with the faith that you have now? Could, could, could the impossible begin to happen? If you take the passion from when you first met Jesus, apply it to the faith that you've grown in all these years, put them back together like they're supposed to be, you'll see and live in God doing the supernatural. Amen? You won't just read about it and hope for it one day. You'll be in the middle of it. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said this, and this is going to be the last thing I say. He says, faith is taking a step even when you don't see the whole staircase. Let's pray. God, I thank you for today. I thank you for your words, Lord. I thank you for this moment, God. 
I'm reminded of Revelations 2 where you said, you're killing it, you're doing all the right things, but you've lost your passion. God, I pray today that by your Holy Spirit, you would come and begin to fan into flame those things that have died out. That passion that has just kind of drifted off, Lord. I pray we'll be a church that's passionate about Jesus. Passionate about saving a lost world. Passionate about living the life that God wants us to live. A church that knows how to get beyond itself. And realize that we're in the people business. We're in the business of reaching people and building lives. God, fan us into flame today. Holy Spirit, move on us right now. Give us a new passion. I pray we'll take, we'll take the, the passion we had when we first got saved and we'll apply it to the faith that we've grown in all this time. And God, the world around us will begin to change. Move in us, God. Move in us mightily, Lord. Lead us. Help us to do what we know we need to do, Lord. Make a schedule. Make plans. Take time. Have people. Tap into your power, God. Help us to live intentional, Lord. Not being tossed by the wind and the waves, but that, Lord, we would be a ship that plows through. Even when life gets tough. Help us to live with intention, God. We wake up every day saying, I'm going to serve you today, God. I'm living for you today, Lord. Maybe it's getting up and putting your feet on the floor and saying, Lord, today I surrender. I die on the cross today, God. I give you my life. I give you this day. I give you my words, my thoughts, my actions, and my deeds. I even give you my plans, Lord. I wonder what would happen if we'd begin to pray Proverbs 16, 9. Lord, you let me make plans for today, but I'm asking you and trusting you to determine my steps. Determine my steps today, God. Move in us, Lord. Thank you for this moment. Nobody looking around this morning, every head bowed and eyes closed. If you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus, I want to give you a moment real quick to surrender your life to Jesus and accept this salvation that he's created for us and he has for us available today. So if you've never given your life to Jesus and if you die today and you don't know, you're not sure where you would spend eternity, but you want to know and you want to make certain, that's you today. Nobody's looking around. Just lift your hands up real quick. Lift your hand real quick. If you want to be saved today, you want to be born again. Anybody? Awesome. Maybe you're here today, and after hearing this message, you realize I've just been kind of going whichever way the wind blows. My life hasn't had much purpose or intention. I haven't had any plans. And I realize today that I need to do that. 
that's a better way. That's you. Just lift your hand real quick. All over the room. Now, Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for your, your spirit moving mightily this morning. Lead us, God. Direct us and determine us today. Fan into flame. The passion we had from the beginning. I agree with Revelations too, God. And I thank you for this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give the Lord a big hand clap, church? Come on. Nushers are going to come forward. We're going to get ready to receive tithes and offerings. And I'm excited, man. This week was a good week. We got back to working on the building again. Uh, as we currently sit right now, all the framework has been done. The addition to the front has been done. The electrical will be finished roughing in tomorrow. The plumber will come in at the end of the week and start roughing in his part. The HVAC guy is already starting to rough in his part. Uh, we've got a work day scheduled um, for February the 8th. Guys and gals, you might want to write that on your calendar. February the 8th, we have a work day scheduled. We're going to rip off the siding off of the building. We, we may even hang some sheetrock if we have enough help. And, and if there's enough people, we got some stuff inside here that we need to touch up and fix. So February the 8th, we're going to have another work day. But I just want to say this this morning. It's, I'm very grateful to be doing this with you, to be building another building for more kids. I've done a lot of projects at our other campuses. I'm excited to be doing one here, right? And because of your generosity, we're going to keep doing what we're doing, making more room for more kids. Amen? So let me bless you. Lord, thank you for this offering. And